Thank you, uh, Pastor Karen. I was speaking with, uh, with Karen just this week and I, I actually said to her that if there was one passage of scripture that I could pick which summed up um, St. John, which epitomized our DNA, it would be Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. There are many things that I could say about this passage of scripture. Much of it you would have heard before. Um, if you're members of St. John, if you've been attending our worship services regularly, um, if you're committed to the vision that we have as a church. Connecting with this verse and the learning circle and how to process uh, what it is we, we, we hear from God uh, and how to live into that, how to believe what God says for us and for our communities. To be seeing God's kingdom, to name kingdom breakthrough as it comes, as we pass through life, and to need to live into a life of repentance before stepping in to being able to work for God, for his kingdom, as we respond to what he's saying. But that's not where I feel God is wanting us to go today. That's not me saying that we shouldn't be looking for a Kairos moment, that we shouldn't be wanting to uh, process that and, and need to go through the cycle and the patterns which God has given us to be able to respond to him. Because the time is always fulfilled. It is always now. God is breaking in every second of every day. You will, if you look for it, see God at work. I believe that 100%. So be listening and be willing to respond to what it is that you hear. Something that will happen for you. However you see God working or hear God working, remember that when you do see him, when you do hear him, when you are processing what he's saying for you, it will never, ever contradict his written word. It will always be in line with scripture. And so be today specifically, I'm going to say now, during this time, be listening to what God's saying through the words that you're hearing. Because today I want to uh, be drawn to look at one simple aspect of what Pastor Karen read for us. And that is that Jesus is the king and that we are called to follow him. There can be no kingdom if there is no king. Jesus has always been and he always will be. His kingdom is everlasting. Uh, the very idea that the kingdom could ever not be is to me, um, it's fallible. It's, it's, it's something to laugh at, to balk at, because the kingdom is always there. Jesus is the king. And whenever we declare that to be the case, wherever we declare that to be the case, then we will see his kingdom and his kingdom will be fully present in that moment. And I've said that to you many times before. Um, another thing I say, which often gets me in trouble, it gets me into hot water with 
some of my colleagues, um, with, with some other uh, believers, is that the church has spent far too much time investing in making Christians and not enough time making disciples that can make disciples. See, there's been this, this emphasis placed on worship, uh, which, don't get me wrong, is an important aspect of what we are called to do. We are called to worship God and we are called to worship him alone. Um, first commandment, we read it in Exodus 20, you shall have no other gods before me. And in Luke 4, 8, Jesus tells us, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. God deserves our worship. And I'm not neglecting that fact. But the concentration on worship as being Sunday morning service, as needing to have the things that we need to have for it to be church, for it to be worship. Well, that's not true worship. I remember a friend of mine uh, once saying to me at the end of a church service that I'd sat with them through, I got nothing out of that. And I had to question them. Um, what did you give? They were asking, what was, was, was it worth me even coming to church today? The preacher was uninspiring. The music wasn't what I liked. It wasn't to my taste. Oh, okay. What did you give? I said. And that made them think. See, worship is about what we give, not what we receive, not what we get out of it. But in order to fully grasp this, we have got to move ourselves out of the way. We've got to not only name Jesus as the king, we've got to be ready to and willing to follow him. We've got to be ready to follow him into battle. And I say it that way because none of us would want to go into battle, right? We've sometimes got to go through things that we don't want, things that we don't particularly engage with or like, but God is teaching us through that. Jesus is king. Are you following him? Let's be honest. Um, we're in a battle right now. War is raging on all around us. Spiritual war. But the weapons that we have been given to fight with, they're not of this world. Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians 10.4. And he continues that, on the contrary, they have a divine power to demolish strongholds. The enemy's all about building up strongholds, things to get in the way and stopping us from being able to identify Jesus as the king and then to follow him. Jesus, when he came on the scene and he spoke those words, he meant for people to be turning away from sinful ways. Repent and believe. And that first meant for them in that time to be turning away from social and political agendas. Agendas that were hurting Israel and that were really um, propelling them into war. 
But in doing this, in turning away from these ideologies, in looking to scripture and the story that has been of how God had worked through them, how what God had said to them, about how Israel would be redeemed and there needed to be a return to a dependence on God. A return to trusting him with all of heart, mind, soul and strength. See, Jesus calls for repentance. And as he did that, it, it was part of a, a, a declaration. A declaration that the time had come, that freedom had arrived. Reconciliation was possible. Salvation was available. And this is the time of God's rescue plan. And it's starting to be realised. This is why the call for repentance has been attached with the call to believe. To drop a trusting in things of this world and to live into a life of fully trusting and following the King who has come to save. Now think about our nation today. So much of that is very, very relevant for us today. There's so much division. And if we, if we narrow that view and we, and we concentrate on just the, the, the body of Christ, just the church here in the US, well, we're going to see the same picture. Division. Issues, problems, ideologies that are not of God. And just as Jesus' contemporaries, they trusted in history and tradition, they trusted in the temple, so do many people today trust in history, trust in tradition, trust in the sanctuary, over and above their trust in Christ. So I believe God is calling us out calling us out to stand for what is right, to leave behind a political or social agenda, because no matter how well we try to carry them, they interrupt, they deter us from following Jesus. Now, it might sound a bit strange, but the more we give to a political agenda or an ideology or, or a social norm, the more we actually are strayed from following the king. See, democracy, however good it is, is man-made. Let's not forget that. There is no place for democracy in the kingdom. Okay, Paul uses the term, you are a citizen of heaven. But that's more to relate to what people understood as a citizen of Rome not what we use as a citizen today. We are not citizens of the kingdom, we are subjects of the kingdom. We are subject to the king and his will. My fellow uh, countryman Winston Churchill, uh, he once said that democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the others. And that's just it. Yes, it's good and it has a place for us and a, and, it, and, and a framework for us to work in. But it's man-made. We should not put our trust and our faith in this man-made system. 
our trust and our faith, it's got to be placed in God our Father, in his Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit, which has been left behind for us who trust and believe in God. See, in those words of Jesus from Mark 1:15, he was calling them to trust in the good news, in that joyous news of the kingdom that God was doing a new thing, that he was asking them to lay down all that which they knew, the severed ties with the ways which they had committed to, the, the trust that they had put thing, in things that were of man. And he gave them a new message to carry. It wasn't easy. It's not easy today for us to carry that message. And some didn't. And today some don't. But Peter, Andrew, James and John, they did. They caught that vision. And they carried their nets to go and catch many others to do likewise. And that's our call as we ask, who is Jesus? He's the king. And he's the king that we are called to follow. He's the king of kings. Worshipping him is the easy part. Following him is what costs us everything. But that's where we are, church. That is where we are and that is what we need to do. Tim Keller in his book, King's Cross, uh, puts it this way. Jesus is saying, I want you to follow me so fully, so intensely, so enduringly that all other attachments in your life look like hate in comparison. If you say, I'll obey you, Jesus, if my career thrives, if my health is good, if my family is together, then the thing that is the, on the other side of the if is your real master, your real goal. Jesus will not be a means to an end. He will not be used. If he calls you to follow him, he must be your goal. He must be your goal. The gospel is not about choosing to follow advice, like I said earlier. Our faith is not to be advice-driven. The gospel the gospel is about calling us out to follow the king and to sing out of his goodness, to carry our nets and go fishing for the kingdom. What a picture that is. And so as we prepare to come to the table to remember Christ's sacrifice, to remember he is the king of kings who went to the cross, as we prepare to come and remember that this morning, let's sing of his goodness. <laughs>